Jesus. Um, but I'm so glad that each of you are here with us this morning as we're celebrating Advent together. We're celebrating this Christmas season with one another. And last week, we kicked off our Christmas series that we are calling Full. And every year, Christmas is meant to be a reminder to us of the beauty and the wonder and the hope that came into the world when Christ, when God sent his son um, to be Emmanuel, God with us. And John 10, 10 tells us that Jesus came not just so that we would have life, but so that we would have it to the full. So what does that mean? What kind of life is Jesus inviting us to live this, this season and, and for our life? Um, last week, Benton shared about living a life that is purposeful. And this week, I will be sharing about the invitation that God has for us to live a life that is powerful. And when I hear the word power or powerful, so many different things come to mind. But since it's the Christmas season, I can't help but think of looking at the word through the eyes of a child. And when my brother and I were young and we would play together, we were obsessed with superheroes and Star Wars. Any other Star Wars fans in the room? Yeah, okay. Glad I'm not alone in that. But if you were a Star Wars fan, let's be honest, maybe sometimes when you were a kid and you were sitting alone in your room, you would like take a second and like make sure like you didn't hear anyone coming, like no one was watching you, and you would like see something across the room that you wanted and you'd be like, right? Or maybe you'd like want to turn the lights off and you'd be like, like maybe just hoping that your force powers would awaken in that moment. Or maybe you liked Superman, so you would jump off of things hoping that you would suddenly be able to fly or, or lift something like Superwoman. Or you started befriending spiders in your home hoping that one of them would be radioactive. Yeah, I might have just revealed a little bit about how nerdy I am, maybe too much. Um, but that's okay. Um, when we're young, power is something cool and a little magical. It's something that we believe will make us special in a world of normal. We truly hope that we will be the one who secretly has force powers. And when we discover them, we will be able to change our life and the lives of those around us forever. Yeah? Okay. Maybe it was just me. Um, so to, um, but then as we grow older, power starts to become something different. We start to see it as something different. Instead of reminding us of superheroes or space travel, it starts to be associated with careers and money and status and self-preservation. Power means always having enough, never missing out, avoiding hard things, and protecting ourselves. It is our way to control outcomes in our life and manipulate our circumstances. And on the surface, none of these things seem bad. We want to be able to have enough and, and to, to protect ourselves and give ourselves good things. But I believe that Jesus has a different way to invite us into this morning, a way that is better than what we can imagine through the power that we think that we can obtain. So today, I want us to focus on two things. What does the Christmas story and the coming of Christ have to teach us about power? And how can that revelation lead us to live life to the full? So first, what does the birth of Jesus teach us about power? Today, we're going to begin in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead, pull those out, turn to Luke chapter 1. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. One of our volunteers would be happy to bring you one. 
Anyone need one? Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26, which says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be, and which I think is kind of a funny thing to say. Like, she was troubled by the statement, not that an angel had appeared to her to, like, give her a message, but, you know, maybe she kind of expected it. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. When the angel came to Mary, he didn't just tell her that she would become pregnant. He told her what her son would be like. And he was echoing the prophecies that foretold of the coming of Jesus. And this is very important language because it speaks to the Messiah that God's people were waiting to come, were anticipating would come. Which brings us to a quick history lesson about God's people. From the moment that Satan first caused sin to enter into the world through Adam and Eve in the garden, God began to proclaim about this Savior who would come and crush our enemy. Genesis 1.15 says this, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And that, from that moment in the garden onward, God's people experienced a lot of different ups and downs. Yes, they had some moments of power and of success, but it was always followed by famine and conquest and exile and war and wilderness. So when the prophets continued to proclaim of this Messiah that would come and strike down their enemies forever, they were all for that kind of savior. That's what they were waiting for. That's what they were ready for. Because in their history, they had experienced when they had power, it was always taken from them. A lot of times it was their fault, but it was taken from them, and they were tired of experiencing these ups and downs. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13 says this, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. These predictions about the Messiah painted this picture of a man who would come, and he would set up his throne, and when he did, it would last forever. And like I said, this word forever was key for the people of God, because if there's one thing that they wanted after the history that they have had experienced, it was permanence. They wanted this to last. They were tired of this, we're on top one day, we're in exile the next day kind of situation. They were ready for a Messiah who would come and who would allow them to rule and reign forever. That's what they were looking forward to when they heard these prophecies about the coming Savior. Which brings us to the circumstances of God's people during the time of Jesus's birth. They again were being ruled by an unjust king. His name was Herod. And while Herod was a Jewish king, he was really just a puppet ruler under Roman law, and everyone knew this. So God's people were really being ruled by Roman leaders, and they were having to live under Roman law. So they were very ready for this king who would come 
and they, they were hoping, they had this anticipation that it would be any day, and he would dethrone Herod, and he would just strike down Rome so that they were not under this Roman rule any longer. Now, the interesting thing is that not all of the prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus were about his victory. In fact, many of them were about his death and how he would have to come and lay down his life and sacrifice himself for all of us. But God's people didn't seem as interested in that part of the story. They focused on how they thought God should come for them in power and what they thought was the thing that they needed the most. So that's when God did something unexpected, as he tends to do. He sent this much-anticipated warrior king to earth as a helpless baby. He didn't send a ruler who was going to overthrow Herod and Rome. He sent a tiny, vulnerable baby who would be born among animals and then placed in a manger. Which brings me to the first thing that we can learn about the birth of Jesus. God's power is revealed through the unexpected. Let's continue in Luke 1, continuing in verse 35, where Mary is questioning, how could this happen to her? How could this happen to me? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Imagine being Mary, a young girl, a virgin that is soon to be married, just minding your own business, when an angel appears to you and not only says that your unmarried virgin self is about to be pregnant, but also tells you that you are going to be pregnant with the one who will come to save the world and rule on high forever. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're like, I am only here, and I feel like I'm declaring this right now, because God did it. Like, it is not me. Like, the only reason I could possibly be in this situation is because of God but you still find yourself really confused, doubting how it could be, knowing that you are the most unqualified person for this position. I'm sure Mary was feeling that times a thousand. But then the angel tells her something incredible, and this has to do with the unexpected power of God. He tells her that it will be God's power working through her that will allow this to happen. It's not about her and her qualifications. It's about God's power that is going to move and work through her. And then the angel tells her something else. Nothing will be impossible with God. And he explains to her that, he, that God is inviting her to partner with him in this work so that things that seem impossible from the standards of the world, things that seem like they could never come about, God is going to reveal that they are possible because they're being done through her. Seemingly the most unqualified person for the job. And Mary's response is astonishing. She simply says, and I don't know if this would have been my response, I'm your servant. Let your will be done. Let it happen as you will. And I think it's so beautiful because it almost echoes what Jesus ends up saying on his way to the cross. Mary is starting that journey of faith, trusting that the power of God is greater than the circumstances that she finds herself in and is willing to open herself up to the will of God in her life so that God's power can be revealed. Throughout our life, we're going to want God's power to show up for us, and I can't help but say this because it's Christmas, in pretty packages tied up with beautiful bows. 
like God's people, we are going to have a way that we think God's power should show up for us. We feel like we have these pretty, straightforward, simple answers, and if God would just show up in that way, all of our problems in life would be solved. We just need this promotion. We just need to make this much more per paycheck. We just need for this little problem in our life to be solved and resolved and for these little pieces to move in the exact right way. We just need for this one relationship to be healed. We just need for this one relationship to begin. And we truly believe that if God would just do the things that we expect for him to do, then our lives would be better. But the ironic thing is is that we're often asking for the thing that will give us the power to control the outcomes in our life, not to surrender more deeply to the power of God. Because the truth is that none of us like to sit in the tension of reliance. Reliance on answers that might not give us control, but will call us into deeper surrender. That's really hard. But that's the beauty of the Christmas season. God's people were waiting in holy anticipation for this Savior that they were imagining would come to conquer everything for their benefit, to give them the outcomes that they were looking for. And God said, I know better. I have a better way. I have this unexpected way that I'm going to show up in my power that is going to give you not what you think you need, but what you really need. He sent not this distant, unreachable deity sitting high up on a throne, laying down all these rulings and judgments. He sent to us a close, personal savior so that when we walk through hard things, we have a God who can say, I've been there, I get it. He came to earth as a child in vulnerability so that he can meet us in our vulnerabilities. He came in weakness so that when we feel weak, we feel met there. He came and said, I am going to experience fear and frustration and sadness so that when you experience those things, you will be met with open arms and with love and understanding. The unexpected gifts of God, the ones that call us into deep and sometimes hard surrender are always the ones that will reveal the true power of God, the things that we really need in our life. Which brings us to the second thing that we can learn about power. True power requires surrender. As Jesus grew and he began his ministry, he continued to demonstrate to us God's power in new ways that would extend the way we're invited to show love and grace to others. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says this. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had, become, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus took on the likeness of humanity, he also adopted the form of a servant, walking in humility so that God's glory and power could be known by all. But this was not easy for everyone around Jesus to accept. It was particularly hard for the religious rulers of the day to accept this posture from Jesus. 
um, because they had been holding up the law, which was the religious rule that God had given to his people. So from their perspective, they didn't feel like they were doing anything wrong, and they truly weren't. They were trying to uphold the thing that they felt like God had called them to. But when Jesus came claiming to be doing the miraculous in the name and in the power of God, they did not see him as their savior. They saw him as a liar and a disruptor who was coming to break down systems that they had tried to uphold. Jesus was extending mercy and love and healing to people that they did not think should receive it under the law. Just like the brother of the prodigal son who didn't understand his father's forgiveness, they could not, they were disappointed by a savior who would come to be a servant to sinners instead of the spokesperson for the self-righteous. I don't think they would have said it like that, but that's how we're saying it this morning. These leaders believed that grace was earned through following the law, not freely given by a servant savior. They saw themselves as the ones with the power because they alone could understand and live out the law in a way that would give them favor and grace from God. So when Jesus started freely giving out what they felt like they had earned through hard work to prostitutes and adulterers and lepers, they had a problem with that. They kept getting more and more outraged. How could this man think that he could freely give away the things that we had worked so hard for, that we have the power to claim for ourselves? But when we convince ourselves that God's grace is earned through our own work, we just sow pride, not power. How often is this true of us? We rely on our own strength to earn favor from God. Or worse, we find ourselves in a season where we feel really good. We feel like we perceive that we have all of our needs met. So we start to believe, I can do this myself. I can do this in my own power. Because that's what we've somehow convinced ourselves that power is. It's this balancing act between the way of God and the way of the world where we convince ourselves that we can earn God's grace through our obedience and then we'll get good things from God. But we also try to earn enough through our own hard work by worldly standards so that we can have the career we need and the money we need and the status we need and the education we need so that we can ultimately take care of ourselves and our family just in case God doesn't show up. Or in case he shows up in a way that doesn't still give us the worldly status and significance that we're looking for. We become our own worst backup plan for power as we begin to believe that our peace and our happiness is dependent on us maintaining this well-oiled system that we've developed for ourselves. But when we rely on ourselves and the system of this world to give us what we want, we reap what we sow. When we actually take a step back and look at ourselves, we don't see this happy, peaceful person who has everything that we want. We see this weary, tired, stressed out shell of a person who's actually hopeless because they know that if they're found out that everything is dependent on them, there'll be nothing there under the surface because they can't do it all on their own. But the good news in all of this is that you have a close and personal savior, Emmanuel, the God who came to be here with you is inviting you into this relationship with him. And he has some good news to speak over you this morning. And I think it would sound a little like this. It's okay. 
you can stop. I have a better way for you. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. You don't have to keep trying to earn your salvation because I already died for you. And you don't have to keep striving for the things of this world because I have a way and power that is truly going to satisfy you. All you have to do is trust him and surrender your ways to his ways so that his true power can work through you and you can live that life to the full. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? If we want to experience the fullness of grace and the power of Christ, then we have to lay down our life. We have to take up the cross that Jesus offers and surrender our life to his. We have to stop gripping so tightly to these things of this world so that we can open our hands and actually receive the good things and the power of God that he has for us. The world will try to tell you what it looks like to find life. It'll tell you that resources are scarce, and if you have something good, you need to hold on to it as tightly as you can. And if you lay down your life and surrender and sacrifice for others, they're just going to get the things that you've been trying to achieve because there's not enough for everyone. That's what the world will try to convince us of. But right here in Matthew, Jesus tells us that if you're trying to gain the world, you will actually lose your life. You won't find it. Dem Jesus demonstrated something to us that he knew deeply and lived out through his ministry, that the only way to have the power of God was to surrender our life to him. The way of Jesus looks like laying down the power of this world and picking up the power of the cross. And when we do this, we'll learn this final thing about power, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. The good news about accepting our weakness and surrendering to God is that that's when his best work can be done in our lives and in our hearts. That's when we get to experience the truthfulness of his grace. Continuing in Luke chapter 1, going to verse 46, it says this. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary has this incredible moment where she just starts worshiping the Lord because she realizes the significance of what he's doing through her. This is her sharing her testimony with us. She's like, if God is going to use me to do this earth-shattering work, then he's about to change up so many things here on earth. He is about to come in power in a way that is new, that demonstrates a new way of being where the lowly are raised to high places, and the hungry are given food. And the truly amazing thing is that God is going to do the same thing through each of us. That's what he's inviting us into when we surrender to him, is that power will be seen on this earth in a new way so that all people can experience what God has to offer. 
In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. True power will come into our lives and into the world when we accept who we are in, in Christ. That in our weaknesses, we have been chosen to partner with God in his ministry. Despite our faults or our shortcomings or our history, our past, Benton talked a lot about this last week, God has invited us to be the vessels of his power here on this earth and bring the same grace and love that Jesus brought when he was here. So what does it look like for this power to do its complete work in us and allow us to live life to the full? It looks like waiting in wonder and in holy anticipation for God to do the unexpected in our life. That we don't have to sit in fear, worrying that he's not going to give us the perfect things that we want. We get to be like excited children before Christmas morning, being like, what is the unexpected thing that Jesus is going to give me that will make my life better than I could have ever dreamed or imagined? That's the kind of God we have. The one that wants to give his children good gifts, who understands what we really need. And this season, we get to remember that it's an exciting, holy anticipation that we get to look in wonder and wait for the power of God to fully come into our lives. It looks like laying down our lives and with it, our burdens, so that we can stop chasing a life that we believe will satisfy us and we can open ourselves up to the surrendered life that God has for us. One where we get to experience his power in better ways than if we're trying to do it all in our own strength. And it looks like accepting that we're imperfect people, but we're imperfect people that get to partner with God in the work that he has to do on this earth. So we can walk into every situation excited that we have surrendered our life to God so that his power can show up in every space that we walk into. And the incredible thing about the birth of Jesus and what we're offered through his life and death is that it actually answers all of our childhood longings to be a superhero or to be Luke Skywalker. Our desire to be special, to have unique giftings, to have a special power that can change the world, all of that is realized through Christ. Every single one of us are his chosen sons and daughters with a unique calling on our life. Every single one of us have been given special powers through the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in strength and power to do the work that he asked for us on this earth. You have the power to walk into any space and see things change because of the work that Christ is doing in you. The band can go ahead and come on up. This season, when you visit your family, when you walk into that space, I want you to remember that you have the power to change the temperature of the room because of the work that Christ did in you. When you have that, that meeting to have holiday coffee with that friend who needs some extra hope and cheer this season, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you to speak hope and healing into her life. When you feel exhausted, and weary and hopeless this season that we're all, like, we're all going to feel it sometimes because it's a busy, frantic season sometimes. You have the power to speak life and healing over yourself, remembering that you don't have to control anything, but you get to surrender all of it to God so that he can complete this good work in you and you can live life to the fullest. Let me pray for us this morning before we respond to God. Lord, thank you so much for just this season 
this beautiful time that we get to remember the gift that you are to us, that you're a personal savior who came here so that your power could be seen in the unexpected and a savior who was going to come as a warrior, but came as a close friend, drawing near to us so that we would have a God who could empathize with us in our weakness. And Lord, we just thank you for the ways that you wanna remind us to move in power this season, that we have opportunities to speak life and love and grace into hard places. Show us what it looks like to step aside and allow you to work in every space we enter this season.